Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Today's sermon is going to be a little bit different than the other ones have been. It's going to be a bit of a workshop. Um, hopefully we have, uh, we've printed out some scripture and the deacons will hand it out now and maybe we'll turn the lights up a little bit so that uh, you can actually read. Um, uh, and we'll, uh, and uh, we're going to do like, uh, like a little exercise together. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone who comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And he goes on to say, people will come and say, but Lord, we cast out demons in your name, and we healed the sick in your name. And he will say, get away from me, I never knew you. And these are fearful words, like this is kind of scary. So, like, people are going to heal the sick and, and cast out demons, but Jesus is going to say to them, I never knew you. So, obviously, God has some kind of way of, discri of, of discriminating or discerning. A theme which has been coming up every single day um, has been the theme of discerning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, St. Paul says that many of you are sick and sleep, by sleep he means are dying, because you partake of the Lord's body without discerning the body of the Lord. So obviously this issue of discerning is really, is really important. And obviously God has a way of discerning. And it seems like being a wonder worker isn't one of the ways that God is discerning. So how is he discerning? These are really important things. And Jesus says, not those who, not those who, um, do all these things, but those who do the will of my Father. Well, that's, you know, like, forgive me, Jesus, but that's a pretty tall order to do the will of the Father. Let's be honest, about half the time, I'm not really sure what the will of God is for my life. And then the, for the, the, the times I have a clue of what God's will is for my life, about half of those times, I'm not really very obedient or it takes me a long time to be very obedient. So what are we going to do with this? I mean, if that's the case, who, who can be saved, right? And St. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, who shall deliver me from this body of death? This leads us all back to our theme verse for Holy Week this week. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. It seems that there is a way in which God passes over the sins which were previously committed. That word passed over sins which were previously committed. Does that sound familiar? Of course it does. You remember the Passover, the Passover lamb. You remember that, that when the people of Israel... Went, went into Egypt. They were a band of 70-some-odd persons. And they lived there for a couple of generations. And now they're a few million. And Moses, you know, God tells him, you know, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses goes and tells Pharaoh. And Pharaoh hardens his heart. Tells Moses, basically, get lost. And then come the plagues. And then finally, at the very end, of the plagues. There's one 
final plague. And God tells Moses a very odd commandments. And all the other plagues, and all the other plagues, didn't, it did not require the people of Israel to participate in any way to be spared from the plagues. Some of the plagues they were spared, some of them they weren't. When the Nile River turned to blood, it turned to blood for everybody, right? Uh, but sometimes the flies and the frogs affected the Egyptians, but not the Israelites. But the Israelites didn't do anything to be spared. But in this final plague, God asked them to do something. So, what he asked them to do is what's been handed out to you. I purposefully chose this scripture from um, a version of the Bible called the Living Bible, which is not actually, um, it's, it's actually a paraphrase. It's not really, it's not really the, the, the words of scripture themselves. It's a paraphrase. Um, not quite as liberal as another version called the Message, but somewhat liberal nonetheless, because I figured it would make for a quick read and it, it still demonstrates the point very easily without making it, you know, cumbersome with all of the more difficult language of, of some of the more uh, original texts. So, what we'll do is, I'm going to ask um, this, this side of the church to read the front, uh, the, 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 the front page and the, this side of the church to read the second page. The, so, this side of the church, you're starting at verse 26. And this side, you're starting from verse 1. And what you're looking for is God says two different things to them. He uses two different terms which are so similar, but yet they're so different. He uses a term called pass over, and he uses another term called pass through. So I want you to go through your part of the text and then each side will report to us what they found. And I want you to, to, to try to understand what is the meaning of the word pass over and what is the meaning of the word pass through. And what's the difference between the two? And it's, it's quite obvious, right? If now that, I've, now that I've kind of spelled it out for you, you know, right? Like, it, it, it's, it's not, I don't ask difficult questions because I don't, I don't, I'm never successful in answering difficult questions, so I never ask anybody difficult questions, right? So we'll give you a couple of minutes to do that. So that's been about five minutes, so maybe we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get started slowly here. Um, for starters, um, we'll ask this side of the room because they started before us. Can you tell us what verses you found the, the words pass over or pass through in? Verse 11. Where else? 12, 13. Where else? 23. 21. And... 25. Okay, great. And this side of the room, where where did you find the words pass over or pass through? Circle them as we go. Like So they kind of told us where they were. Sorry, I should have told you. Circle them as we go. 26. 43. 47. 
48, sorry, not 47, 48. That's all I had. Okay. Now, these two words seem very similar. Like, there's a lot of things in life that are seem very similar, but they're very different. Right? Like, a lot of us think follow your heart and follow God are the same thing. But in one of the prophecies today, it's God said, Behold, I hate you because you follow your own heart. Oops. Doesn't sound like following your heart is following God. They don't sound like the same thing. They sound the same, but they're very, very different. These are two things that sound the same. Pass over, pass through. There was a little stream. I was hiking with some friends. We passed over it or we passed through it. I don't know. Who cares? Right? Sounds kind of the same. Right? In the introduction to like all of the sermons of Holy Week, I mentioned that the two Hebrew words that are used for this are, are different. The word for Passover is Pesach and the word for pass through is Agur. Um, Pesach and Abur, and it's from Pesach that we get the Greek word Pascha or Pascha, and that's where we get the name, you know, the, the word Pascha, and that's you know where we where we got that that term for the whole for the whole week. But specifically, specifically, that word is an alternate word for the resurrection. So, I want to ask you another question. More for this side of the room, because how many times did this side of the room find the word pass through? None, right? Yeah, okay. But this side, you guys had the word pass through. Okay. How many times is the word pass through mentioned without the word pass over? In the same context. Because these verse numbers, like, we just put these, like, human beings, I mean. And then in this version of the Bible, which is a paraphrase, they're even less, less clear, the verse numbers. It's not. So every time the word pass through comes up, the word pass over is mentioned as well. However, the word pass over is mentioned sometimes in the absence of the word pass through, right? That's what you all found, right? Okay, now, everybody, you can look in at the text. What happens when God passes through? He destroys, specifically the firstborn child. Okay, and what happens when God passes over? Huh? Not be destroyed. Or another other words for that? Saves, right? And what is the mark of the Passover? I'm all easy questions. It's all in the text, right? This is like a grade three English comprehension level, right? Um, maybe grade, I don't know, grade four. I'm very far from elementary. We have some elementary school teachers. Don't judge me, right? Okay, so, um, and, and, and what's... What's the difference between the pass-through and the pass-over? In a very specific sense, what do the Israelites do? They put blood on their, on their doors, right? On the, on the two doorposts and on the lintel. Now, look carefully at the text. What is, that, what is the significance of that blood from the text? Okay, don't get all spiritual on me and don't, don't, don't start pulling patristic commentaries. Just what does the text say 
early on, verse 13, what does it say that the blood like says? Blood on your doors means you obey me. Well, hold on a second. When we started this, this little sermon, we were saying that Jesus says, not everybody who's going to say to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom, but only those who do the will of my Father. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. This obedience thing seems to be really important to God. And God isn't asking them to do something extremely complicated. He's not asking them to do something that requires a theological education. He's not requiring them to do something that requires exuberant wealth. He's not asking them to do something that requires uh, youth and strength, right? And there was, and, and, and in, in, the, in the laws of the Passover, there was a provision for if you were a small family, if you were not very wealthy, you could get together with the whole neighborhood if you wanted to, right? So, but there was a prerequisite. It's not so much in the text, but from what, from what we can read from other uh, Judaic texts, it was required that everyone who was planning to participate in this Passover be present. Like you couldn't, you couldn't participate by absence. Like you couldn't, um, you couldn't mail a check-in to buy the, uh, buy the lamb and okay, well, that's my contribution. No, you had to be there. You had to be there. You had, to, you had to eat the Passover. You had to hear the story of why we're doing what we're doing. And then the, eld the eldest person would say, you know, that, that this is because this is how God delivered us from Egypt. Why is it so significant, that moment when they were delivered from Egypt? Why is that so, so, so significant? Because when they went from, when they went from Palestine, when, when there was famine, right, Jacob has 12 sons. One of them is a hot shot. The others don't like him. They sell him into slavery. He goes to Egypt. He's a slave. He becomes prime minister. And then everybody's going to buy bread from him, buy wheat from him because there's famine. Famine affects his dad and brothers as well. They go down too, right? And when they go down and they discover, they go down multiple times, but when they go down and discover that he is Joseph, their brother, they say, well... I guess we'll move into the prime minister's house. It's better than living in, in tents where we're paying, uh, we're paying lease for the land. They were paying lease for the land. They didn't even own the land that they had put their tents on. They were paying lease to, uh, you know, in the, in the pastures that their flocks were eating from. Right? And they go and Pharaoh, who loves Joseph, you know, honors them and so on. So they go down to Egypt, a family of 72 or 77, I can't remember, persons. 70, 70 some odd. They leave when they're crossing the Red Sea, two million people. They're not a family anymore. They're not even a big family. They're like, if your family is two million people, oh my God, you have problems when like birthdays, anniversaries, baptisms. How do you keep all this stuff straight, right? You don't, you don't stand a hope, right? You know, you're going to forget somebody for sure. They weren't, they weren't a family anymore. They were a nation, right? And the Passover... Their liberation was the beginning of the nation of Israel. What's so significant about the nation of Israel? Look, the most significant thing of anything that happens in the Old Testament 
is that it brings Christ to us. That's like, the, like I'm giving you like the trick answer here, right? Everything, the purpose of everything that happens in the Old Testament is to bring Christ to us that he may save us. That's basically the short answer, you know? Uh, there are much more complex answers than that, and I don't mean to oversimplify complex issues, but the significance of the people of Israel was that from them would come what God had promised Abraham, a seed, who is Christ, which is what St. Paul explains in Galatians 3. But when did the people of Israel become a nation? They, were, they weren't a nation when they were s slaves scattered all through a couple of cities in Egypt. They became a nation when they became free. You can't, you can't live in a country and declare a new nation. That's called treason, usually punishable by death, right? So they became a nation when they left. They became the people of God. That's, that's the significance of, of, the, of the Passover. The Passover was so significant. We see several times the Pharisees and, the, and, and, and the, the, the chief priests and the scribes and the lawyers giving Jesus a really hard time about this thing called the Sabbath, right? And not keeping the Sabbath. The Passover was such a big deal that if the Passover fell on the Sabbath or the day after the Sabbath and required the priests or the congregation to do what was considered work, which was illegal to do on the Sabbath, punishable by stoning, you were allowed to work. So the Passover trumped the Sabbath. And that's actually what happened the year that Jesus died. The Sabbath, the Passover, forgive me, fell on a Sabbath. So in some of the readings you'll see it says that the Passover was a high day. Okay. Get to the point, Father John. What's, what's, the, what's the deal between the Passover and, and, and pass through? God says, I'm going to pass through Egypt. And anywhere where there isn't this sign of obedience, which is the blood of the Passover lamb, I will claim my right to the firstborn. And you can redeem your firstborn with this the blood of this Passover lamb. St. Paul tells us, St. Paul tells us the significance of all of this in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. He says to us, For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Our new Passover lamb is Christ himself. And there is a significant amount of controversy about whether the Passover was on the Sabbath or was it on the Sunday. But we, you know, many, many texts and a lot of people in the Coptic Orthodox Church believe it to have been on the Sabbath. So that means that they would, the way it worked for the Passover lamb is they would take their lambs to the temple right before the evening before the Sabbath. So like today, like we're, today we're praying like the eve of Wednesday. So the eve of the Passover, like Christmas Eve is the day before Christmas, right? So, you know, Passover Eve, you know, they would take the lamb to the temple and the lamb, uh, you know, would be, would be slaughtered and they, you know, collect some of the, blo the, the blood in, in a basin and they take some of it and it gets put on the altar. And then they take some of the meat 
the breast, this and that. I won't bore you with, with some of those details. They're interesting, but anyways, right? And they give it to the family and then they go home and they roast it and they give them the blood to put on their doors and on their lintels. And the fat and all this other stuff gets offered on the altar. So the priests are like slaughtering and offering like wild on the eve of the Passover. They're actually working quite hard. And a lamb is about a hundred, could be up to about a hundred pounds. So yeah, they, they, like, you know, they were working, you know. Um, this is happening. What, what time is evening? I don't know, five, six, something like that, right? Sunset, like it changes throughout the year and so on, right? So what time did they get started with this whole slaughtering business? Probably about 2 p.m., 3 p.m. So the chief priests go to the cross. They see Jesus there and they, you know, hail insults at him back and forth. After a while that stops. You'll notice in the, in the, in the crucifixion passages, when we get to Good Friday, you'll notice somehow the chief priests all disappeared. Why'd they disappear? Because they had business to do in the temple. Jesus is being crucified on Golgotha and less than 250 meters away Passover lambs are being sacrificed at the same time. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. What Exodus 12 is saying though, and what all the prophecies of Holy Week have been saying, there's all this stuff and people say, why is God of the Old Testament so evil? He's like vicious, you know, and there's a heresy about that, that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament and they had a war and the God of the New Testament killed the God of the Old Testament, all this stuff. It's a heresy, okay? None of this stuff is real, right? Don't walk away. What, what I learned at church today, right? No, no, no. There's only one God. As the, I respect everybody's beliefs if you believe in multiple gods, but the church, uh, the Orthodox Church, believes that there's only one God, has only ever been one God, and will only ever be one God. Why does he pass through? He passes through so that he can set them free. So the goal of the passing through of this destroyer is actually liberation, a new nation, and salvation. God in, in um, Exodus 12 says, I will pass through. It's unequivocal. The abur, the pass-through, is going to happen. But the pass-through is always buddied with an opportunity for you to participate in the Passover. But the Passover is not going to happen by itself. You and I must participate. God is going to pass through. On Golgotha, he passes through. He passes through the whole world with something so enormous. It makes the sun go black and it makes the dead rise in their tombs. He passes through with his love. The flood and the ocean of God's love, the tide of the tsunami of God's love is coming. That's what Exodus 12 is saying. The pass-through is going to happen. 
are you going to participate in the Passover? We just did a series about money at church a while ago. We were talking about the necessity of having an emergency fund, right? And you have an emergency fund for, you know, because of Murphy's Law, right? Sometimes anything that can go wrong will go wrong, right? Um, Sometimes people call it a rainy day fund. And the phrase that we kept saying over and over again is, it's not if it rains, it's when it rains. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. Have an umbrella. He's going to pass through. He is going to pass through. Have an umbrella. The book of Ecclesiastes is divided in three parts with three main messages. The middle part, the main message of it is everybody dies. Great. It's very, uh, yeah, it's very cheerful. Yeah. Everybody dies, right? I'm going to meet Jesus face to face. And 1 John 3, 1 says that now I know him in part, but then I will know him as he is. I will know the fullness of his person and of his love for me as much as any soul can, can know. He is offering us, he is offering us to participate in his Passover. These two things, pass through and pass over, are always buddied. Sometimes there's Passover on its own. Sometimes there's Passover on its own. Those are like freebies, right? Sometimes there's pass-through. Passover always comes with it. This brings us back to our initial text, Romans 3, verse 25 is what we read at the very beginning. We'll read it again. Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. That word propitiation is kind of confusing. It means something which renders something else acceptable, right? So the, the example I gave when I was defining this word on the on Sunday night was I wake up in the morning and my hair is all over the place and my beard is all over the place and Right? And I smell kind of funny and I've got little dry drool trickle marks, right? What do I do? I don't leave the house like that, right? Like I take a shower, you know, I brush my hair, put some beard oil in my beard, I, I, you know, I straighten up and then I go out. Why? Because it's unappealing for me to be this way. So there are certain things that make me more appealing, that make me more appealing. They don't change who I am. They just make me more appealing. That's kind of what propitiation is. So Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to make us more appealing by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness. All this is to demonstrate God's righteousness. How much God loves to make things right. God doesn't like to see something a little off. When God sees a painting that's hanging and it's a little crooked, he likes to straighten it. That's like a metaphor, right? Like, not literally, but, you know, he likes to make things right. Because in his forbearance, St. Paul saying, we know this, why? Because in his patience, his long-suffering, that's what the word forbearance means, he has passed over sins that were previously committed. How has he passed over these sins that were previously committed? By offering himself as our Passover lamb. And then tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, 
we're going to talk very practically about what is this pass-through and pass-over in our day-to-day -day lives, in our, in, in our work and, and, and school and professional and social and uh, personal relationships, but also in our spiritual life. What is this pass-through and what is this pass-over? But for now, anyways, let's ask ourselves, let's each one of us ask ourselves, am I ready, am I willing to participate in the Passover? Do I want to participate in the Passover at arm's length? Do I want to, to, uh, to participate in the Passover from a distance? God is saying, no, no, come. Come, we have, to, we have to pray these prayers together. We've got to tell the story together. We've got to eat the meal together. And we've got to do this together. Because I will be your Passover lamb. But I need you to be the ones who participate, who consume me as the Passover lamb. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me. My fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, please pray for me. Christ our Savior, come and afford suffering, that through His passion He may save us. Let us glorify Him and exalt His name, for He has done mercy towards us. the Creator and the Disposer of all, the Holy Spirit, the Life-Giver, the Holy Trinity, before whom kneels down every creature in heaven and on earth. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. We pray for the sake of the heavenly peace, unity of all the churches in the world, monasteries, all holy places, their dwellers and their keepers. O God, have pity on your creation and save it from all evil. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, before his creation and made all things with your wisdom. Adorn the skies with stars, the earth with vegetation, trees and vineyards, and the valleys with pastures, <coughs> and flowers now, O our King, accept the prayers of your servants who place themselves in your hands, we ask you, say, oh, hear us and have mercy on us. Great and holy God, who created man according to his image and likeness, and gave him a living and reasoning soul, have mercy, O Lord, on your creation which you have created, and have kept compassion on it. Bestow upon us your mercy from the height of your holiness and your mansions. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Save your servant, Noah, the righteous his children, their wives, the clean and unclean animals from the flood, in order to renew the earth. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. O you, the creator.
creator and provider of all, deliver your people from the flood of the sea of this passing world. Remove from them and from them all the animals, all harm. Give the birds their provisions, for you provide for the beasts and the young ravens their sustenance. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, as a guest by your servant Abraham sat at his table and blessed his offering O working accept the prayers of your servants your priests standing before you have mercy on the whole world save your people from any hardship dwell in them and accompany them we ask you O Lord to hear us and have mercy on us Lord have mercy we ask you O Lord to guard us from all evil and have pity on your creation on all the people for the eyes of all look up to you, you give them their food in due season. You are the sustainer of all flesh, the help of the helpless, the hope of the hopeless. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. O you who looks to the humble with watchful eyes of protection, who saved Joseph from his master's wife, set him over Egypt and spared him the days of tribulation that his brothers and father came, knelt down before him and took from him wheat for the sustenance of their children and their cattle. Likewise, we bow down and kneel before you and thank you, our creator and provider. For this condition and every condition, we pray to you to save us from all tribulations. We ask you, Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, of God the Father who works through the law, the prophets and the Old Testament and perfects them, save your people from all tribulations and govern their lives according to your goodwill. Save us from famines and calamities. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. supported the people of Israel for 40 years in the desert of Sinai, having no houses or storehouses. Now, my Lord, protect your people, support them, and bless their homes and storehouses. With your heavenly blessings, we ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, accepted the prayer of Elijah the Tishbite when the sky rained and the earth gave fruit and blessed the barrel of meal and the cruise of oil in the house of the widow. Accept the prayers of your people through the intercession of your holy saints and pure prophets. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, full of mercy have compassion on the whole world and bless their crops and their storehouses even the little that they have bring up the waters of the rivers according to their measure and good give good temper to the winds bless the Nile of Egypt and the Canadian lakes this year and every year fill the face of the earth with joy and sustain us the humans we ask you O Lord to hear us and have mercy on us Lord, accepted the repentance of the Ninevites when they fasted and received the confession of the right hand thief on the cross. Likewise, make us worthy to please you and to gain your compassion, crying and saying, Remember us, O Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Accept the repentance of your servants, their confessions, their fasting, their prayers, their offerings, which are offered on your holy altars, and accepted incense and have mercy on them. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. O you, the mighty.
mighty provider, chastiser, healer, and physician of souls and bodies, who tested his servant Job, healed him from his calamity, and recompensed him with more than what he had. Have mercy on your people and save them from all calamities and tribulations and misfortunes. O you, the upholder of those who trust in you, we ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Our God, the word of the Father who sanctified his holy disciples, washed their feet and made them leaders of the believers and guides of faith, who through them satisfied the yearning souls and taught them to pray, saying, Our Father who art in the heavens, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Save your people and protect them with the life-giving sign of your cross. Raise the state of Christians over the world and soften the hearts of their rulers towards us. Fill our hearts with compassion towards our brothers and sisters, the poor and the needy, and take away from us all evil. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, Trusted us with your holy covenant, your body and blood on the altar by the action of your Holy Spirit and on the bread and wine, and commanded us, saying, Do this in remembrance of me. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, Star God, have mercy on your people and the successor of your apostles. Give blessing to the fruits of the earth and gladness to the heart of humans. Through the abundance of fruits and blessings, we ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, of the Father who was incarnate and immaculate, of the Immaculate Virgin Saint Mary, from the Immaculate Virgin St. Mary, in the fullness of time, who said unto his holy apostles, Go and preach all nations, baptize them, teach them all things that I have commanded you. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Be also with your people, and cry unto you, saying, We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, Forgiver of sins, bestower of good things, forgive the sins of your people and cleanse them from all uncleanliness. Wash them from all deceit, keep them from bearing false witness and all envy and slander. Take away from them in their heart every evil thought and unbelief and pride and hardness of heart. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. of our salvation, O birth giver of God, the invincible fortress, bring to naught the counsels of the adversaries, turn the afflictions of your servants into joy, defend our cities, fight for our orthodox kings and rulers, pray for the peace of the world and the churches. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. mercy and compassion, Lord of all consolations, be not wrathful with us, rebuke us not for our evil deeds, nor for the multitude of our sins. Be not angry with us, nor let your anger endure forever. Hear us, O God of Jacob, and look down, O God, our helper. Protect the world from death, scarcity, pestilence, earthquakes, horror, and all fearsome events. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, the sake of our protection under your holy hands, O God, we ask you to keep for us the life of our venerable father, our patriarch Abba Tawadris II. Keep him in this his sea for many quiet and peaceful years. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. 
Christ our God, we ask of your goodness and your great mercy to keep for us the life of our fathers, the metropolitans, bishops, hierarchs, rulers, and shepherds. Comfort the shape of your flock. Give protection to the priests, purity to the deacons, strength to the elders, understanding to the young. Chastity to the virgins, asceticism to the monks and nuns, purity to the married, and protection for women. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, Again, we ask for the safe return of travelers, support for the widows and orphans, abundance for the poor, those who are in debt, pay their debts and forgive them. Those who are in prisons and distress, give them release, heal the sick, repose the departed. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, Saintly fathers, neglect not those whom you had created with your holy hands, O you who did not who did show forth his love for humankind, except from your mother, intercession on our behalf and save us. O you the Saviour of the humble, forsake us not, neither announce us unto the end, nor first for the sake of your holy name, for the sake of your beloved Abraham, your servant Isaac, and your saint Jacob, forswear not your covenant with us, nor deprive us of your mercy. We ask you, O Lord, to hear us and have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. O God, have mercy on us. Grant us your mercy. Deal with us according to your mercy in your kingdom. Yeah.